saying Merry Christmas to all of you. So thank, we thank you so much for joining us tonight for our Christmas Eve candlelight service. Our service tonight is going to be straightforward and simple as we, as we sing favorite Christmas carols uh, during this time of year, hear the Christmas story, and hear from the Word of God. If you're visiting with us tonight, uh, we want to say a special thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, we hope that you feel welcome and loved and appreciated as you're here. As you came in, hopefully you grabbed one of the uh, candles there. You wouldn't have a candlelight service without them. I also note we do have some battery-powered candle candles if you're not quite trusting of your small child to have an actual candle, or if your older child, uh, or, or husband or wife, whichever one. Uh, but be sure to grab one of those, and uh, we'll be using those later on in our service tonight. I want to quickly, before we open in prayer, uh, read a passage of Scripture that describes the very moment when the news broke. Uh, the, 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 the story of Jesus Christ entering this world breaks 500 years of silence and, and ushers in the gospel story. And it happens in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, where we read of the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And in that moment, everything changed. And as we sing tonight uh, these well-loved Christmas carols and remember together the, the story of Jesus' birth, let us never forget how everything changed that day. The good news of Jesus Christ transforms our very lives. I'm going to have Mike come and we'll sing some songs together. Well, I hope you came ready to sing, with hearts ready to sing, because we're going to sing a lot. So stand, stand with me, and let's start our singing with the first Noel, as Pastor Aaron just described.
I hope you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. This is one of my favorite times of year. This is also my favorite service of the year, believe it or not. Um, we're going to have Tom come and read about the Christmas story. So, Tom, if you would. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> you all may be seated except the children in the room. Would you come down and join me for the story? And uh, as Mel Torme said, it could be children of all ages from 1 to 92. So if you're feeling young at heart and want to come up here and sit Indian style with the rest of them, <laughs> don't run over the little ones. <laughs> all right, go ahead and have a seat. I see little Stevie Snaguski has come up. That's good. All right. Very good. We're going to read a story that has a, a polysyllabic name. It's the Nativity story. It's found in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. sing about this wonderful Jesus in this manger.
Have you ever wondered why Christmas time, we have an Eve and the actual day, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We don't have that for any other holidays throughout the year. And one thing I appreciate about that is the sense of anticipation, the, the, the readiness, the waiting for Christ to come. And growing up, there's another sense about anticipation that we all appreciate, and that is presence, right? The, the kids, you enjoy anticipating the opening of the presents Christmas Day. We all have, at least I have, one Christmas where you get that one present that you just remember forever, right? That one present maybe you never thought that you would get, and then that one present, it finally arrives. For me, it was a Nintendo 64 when I was... <laughs> For you little kids, that is a video game system back in the Stone Ages, all right? I wasn't expecting it, and there it was, and it just was the most wonderful Christmas ever. Other times, we have Christmases where we have great expectation. Maybe there's that one thing that you're really hoping to get, and you're waiting, and it's Christmas morning, and you open your presents, and it socks, right? <laughs> that anticipation is building and building and building, and the hopes are high, and then it's just a letdown, right? We all have the sense of the, the joy and the anticipation of an expectation, but also sometimes the disappointments of that. When we consider the birth of Christ, I want us to consider briefly the story of a man who was waiting and waiting and waiting for Christ to come. His eyes were looking for the Messiah. And we see a day in Luke chapter 2 where he finally gets to see this gift from heaven and hold it in his own hands. And oftentimes, our response to a gift reveals what we were hoping for. If, if we open a gift and our, and our response is disappointment, then we were hoping for something different. And when we open a present and we respond with joy and jubilation, what does that show? That the gift is in line, it agrees with what we were anticipating. We're going to look at a story of a man named Simeon. A man who was looking for and anticipating the coming of Christ and read about the time when he finally gets to see him with his own eyes. The story is from Luke chapter 2, verse 25. We read this. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit to the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him up in his arms. As we think about the expectation of Simeon, what was he hoping for? What was he expecting? Well, the passage tells us he was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for the one that would bring peace and comfort to his people. This is what he was expecting. He most likely had the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5 in his mind, where we read these words, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. 
And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Simeon was looking ahead to a time when everything wrong would be made right. The consolation of Israel. When strife would give way to comfort. When sin would be conquered by forgiveness. And we read in our passage in Luke chapter 2 that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. He had been given this promise in his lifetime. He would see it with his own eyes and his expectation was great. Simeon was looking for something big. He was looking for the answers to all the problems in the world. And like going to sleep on Christmas Eve, knowing you're going to open presents the next morning, Simeon was given the guarantee he would see the Messiah before he died. He would see God's gift to man in his lifetime. Now that's quite a present. That's quite a guarantee. Will it deliver? Will his response to seeing this gift be in line with his expectations? If you were given that guarantee for a Christmas present, hope and peace and comfort for all people, you'd be looking for a a pretty big box under the tree. Surely Simeon would see a Messiah come as a powerful figure, a king, a warrior. But that day at the temple, a no-name couple enters the temple with a small baby, and that baby is placed in the hands of Simeon. And how will he respond? And his response will, determine, will be determined by his expectation. And we've all seen the home videos, right, of a child opening a present Christmas morning, and everyone's expecting them to be happy and excited, and their faith, face is just downcast, and they're just so dis- distraught and disappointed. You know, if you have great expectations, if you're expecting a car for Christmas, you will not be satisfied with a Hot Wheel, right? That's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good exchange. And if Simeon is expected the, expecting the anointed Messiah, how excited will he be about a lowly little infant in his hands? We'll see how he responds to this gift. In our passage, we continue reading, he holds the baby in his hands and he blessed God. And said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon couldn't have been happier. This was better than he could have ever imagined. He was so overjoyed that he says he could die happy. I doubt any of you have received a Christmas present where you had that reaction. I can die happy now. I have this present. This is how Simeon responds. And his response to the gift reveals what his expectation was. What was Simeon looking for? And we see in his response to the gift that he was holding in his hands. It reveals what kind of salvation he was looking for. My eyes have seen your salvation, the passage says. It was not a salvation from oppression. It was not victory over his enemies. You would need a conquering warrior, a king for that. And Christ would assume that role someday, but not at this point. He was expecting salvation from a far more serious problem, sin. We read a chapter earlier in Luke Luke chapter 1, verse 77, that this child is being given to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. 
And this kind of salvation didn't require a conquering army. It required the direct intervention of God by entering the human race and becoming the perfect sacrifice for the payment of sins. And Simeon knew as he was holding this baby, and we'll see in the passage to follow, that he, he knew that there was going to be rejection, humiliation, and death in this infant's future because he knew what was necessary to pay for the sins of the world. You know, during this time of year, we celebrate an innocent picture, a, a picture of a, of a newborn baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It's a beautiful picture. It's a, it invokes images of light and warmth and happiness. But the reason why Jesus came was, was far more serious. That there was a problem, and we were, the problem is we were sitting in darkness, that this world is sitting in darkness. And God entered in to provide salvation from our sins. Simeon realized the whole light world was in darkness, and they needed light. In short, Simeon was thrilled because he knew what the world really needed. He knew that the world needed a savior, not from an oppressive government, not from an invading army, but the world needed a savior of their own sins, our own sinful hearts. The world is lost in sin and needs a savior. The world is covered in darkness and needs the light of life. And if you understand this as our ultimate problem, then the gift of Jesus on Christmas Day is the best news you could possibly imagine. If you find that the message of a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes is a little underwhelming, perhaps you hear the story and you just kind of think, it's nice, it's cute, it's warm and fuzzy, but there's no significance there, there's no excitement there, there's no meaning there. If that's your response, it might be because your expectations are for something different, that you actually see that the world has a different problem than what it actually, actually has. You're looking for something else. And if that's the case, you wouldn't be alone because not everyone received Jesus with joy when he came. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, has come into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And perhaps you were hoping for something different in a Messiah. Perhaps you don't think that sin is our greatest problem. And if your expectations are different, you just might be disappointed when you see this baby lying in a manger. Simeon, in fact, knew that this would happen, that our response to Jesus would actually reveal what's in our hearts. He continues, after he blesses God in prayer, verse 33, we read this, that his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the rise and falling of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. That as this child would grow, and he would live a perfect life, and he would preach the gospel of the kingdom, and he would preach the repentance of sins, and he would go to a cross, and he'd be betrayed, and he would be crucified, and he would die, that people's response to Jesus would reveal what was in their hearts. And your response to Jesus reveals what you think about Jesus. And what you think about Jesus reveals what you think about this world and what it needs the most. 
In John chapter 1, we read that his own people did not receive him, but the next verse says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. What are you hoping for this Christmas? Not just for a present under a tree, but what are you hoping for the world? What are you hoping for your own heart? What do you see as your biggest need? Have you ever pinpointed that? So many times we'll say, well, I just need, if I just get that one job, if I just get that big break, if I just get this change of circumstances, if I, if I just get to be with this person, that's what I really need. And, those, and the, your, what you see as your greatest need is going to drive your very life. But scripture comes to us and shows us that our greatest need, our greatest problem, is that our hearts are hopelessly lost apart from God. That our sin runs so deep that there's no deliverance from it. That we are so desperately wicked that we cannot save ourselves. We're, we're in the darkness, Scripture says. And if you realize that only God can rescue you from the darkness, that you cannot scratch your way out of it yourself, if you realize that only the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, can undo the curse of sin and give you new life in forgiveness through his death and resurrection. If you realize that, then this gift of this child will be the best gift you've ever received. It'll meet your greatest expectation, but only if you understand what our greatest need is. Only if you're hoping for and looking for the right thing. What are you hoping for this Christmas? And I, and I implore you, I beg you, that you would see that your greatest need is a Savior. And the great news of Christmas is that God provided it to us. He did not wait for us to ask for it. He did not wait for us to perform and do good enough to receive it. He came down in the darkness while we're in our sins and became a human being and lived a life perfect, died a death as a substitution for our sins to offer you forgiveness and free grace to all who ask and believe. And as we prepare to light the candles in a moment, I want us to actually put ourselves in a mindset of anticipation. There's a meaning for a candlelight service. It's not just a fun little cool thing to do. But it actually portrays, it paints a picture for us that in the darkness, a light shines. And it's small. It's little. It's weak. But at that moment, when Christ entered this world, it started the gospel story. And we see that in this child, the hope of the world lies. The world lies in darkness, our hearts are lost in sin, but yet in that early morning's light, God is enacting his grand plan of redemption. Jesus will be born, and he will save his people from their sins. And if you come to know who he is, I know that your joy and your happiness and your fulfillment in, in finding Christ will be far greater than any joy or fulfillment that this world seeks to offer you. And that is our prayer for you today. I'm going to invite our ensemble to come forward. And as they sing, we're going to have our ushers approach, come down the aisles, and they have some flammable devices in their hands, and uh, they are going to walk down the aisles, 
in a moment, and they're going to they're gonna light the candles on the ends, and then it's going to be up to you to help the people in the middle of your row. So you're going to pass down the candle to them, and so everyone makes sure, don't light the battery-powered ones, okay? That's my one <laughs> instruction. And then after the ensemble sings together, we will, uh, we will all sing some Christmas carols to conclude.
Let's stand together and sing Silent Night.
We want to thank you for joining us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service. And at this time, we're going to very carefully, are you ready? Blow out your candles and hope the sprinklers don't kick in, all right? <laughs> Blow out your candles uh, so we don't uh, set anything on fire. But uh, we want to thank you uh, for joining us this evening. And we hope that the most important thing uh, out of all of this is that you know this Savior for yourself that you come to know and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who came to earth as a baby so that he could live for you and die for you and forgive you of your sins. I'm going to close us in prayer. We just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and that you would remember the reason for why Christ came. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you so much for the story of Christmas. Lord, we are humbled at the thought that you would leave your glory and come and, and be laid in a lowly manger and take on flesh for us. God, we, we ask that you would renew in our hearts yet again the story of what you've done so that we could live for you. We pray, Lord, that the days ahead, tomorrow and the days to follow, that we rejoice in who you are and what you've done. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, and especially those of you who might be guests with us. We thank you so much for being here. Hope that you felt welcome. We wish you a very Merry Christmas. You are dismissed. Okay.